Welcome to a special edition of Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture, the program that brings you together with Christian leaders, authors, and pastors who are discussing key issues facing the body of Christ. We work to equip and encourage the body of Christ to live a fully engaged faith with the heart and mind of Jesus Christ through this radio program and podcast, events including conferences, symposiums, and intimate gatherings, and online resources. We invite you to visit our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, and go to resources where podcasts or radio programs are available. Podcasts are also on iTunes under Hill Country Institute Live. Other resources include video and audio recordings of conferences on faith and science, faith and art, and the works of C.S. Lewis. Today we are partnering with the prayer ministry of First Presbyterian Church, San Antonio, to talk about prayer for military personnel and their families. Our military service by living a demanding, disciplined way of life, and when needed, fighting for our freedom and going in harm's way for our sake. The military and their families make ongoing deep sacrifices as they move around the world, deploying away from family for extended periods of time, enduring rigorous and risky training, and sometimes physical disability and even death. Today we're fortunate to have an experienced long-term chaplain in the U.S. Air Force with us, along with his wife and a key staff member, to talk about their experiences and how we can pray for military personnel and their families. Our featured guests today are Chaplain Colonel Bruce Glover, his wife Carol, and Master Sergeant Steve Alderman, who works closely with the Glovers as a unit called a Religious Support Team, a term we'll learn more about later. Colonel Glover is a graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary and also has an earned doctorate from McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago. He's completed and taught numerous courses in the military. His wife, Carol, is active in caring for military personnel and their families as well. So please stay with us to hear the unique perspective of a couple dedicated to serving those who serve and also working as a team with Master Sergeant Steve Alderman. It's a great opportunity to learn about what life is like for those who serve us in the military and the impact that the service has on their family. Our partner today is First Presbyterian Church's Prayer Ministry. This program is part of a series on praying for people who know who we know and who serve us in various ways, including teachers, elected officials, those who minister in Mexico, and first responders. Today with us we have Rick Lane of First Presbyterian Church, who's a deacon and chairman of their prayer ministry. Rick's a ministry partner of the Hill Country Institute in many ways, including an initiative drawing together teaching ministries in Mexico and those who support them and walk with Mexico. So, welcome, Rick. Thank you, Larry. Great to be here today. Thanks. And welcome. Chaplain Glover. Uh, I had to ask Chaplain Glover why I should call him Colonel or Chaplain. You know, when you're not in the military, these titles, uh, you don't know what to do. So welcome, Chaplain Glover. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Rick. It's an honor to be with you today. You know, my my kids call me lots of things. I I answer to all of them. So whatever you want to call me is great, but Chaplain is fine. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. And Carol, thank you also for being with us. Thank you for having me. Great. Thanks. And then Master Sergeant Steve Alderman. Thank you. Thank you. So we're, we're really delighted that you can be with us to talk about this important topic. Uh, I think that, that those of us in civilian life, sometimes we don't really know what goes on behind the curtain, so to speak, of, of military life. And so what we hope to do is just to, to give people insight into how they can pray individually and in a, in a corporate setting uh, for people who are in the military. So, you know, when we, when we think about somebody that's in chaplaincy, how did, how, I almost go back to kind of a beginning point. How did you come to know Christ? And what led you from that point to going to seminary? Well, thank you, Larry. I'm, I'm glad to tell that story. I have been a Christian all my life, and I have been raised in a Christian home, a dedicated 
businessman's family, and we were reared in the church, and I was educated Presbyterian through Sunday school and, you know, came to love the Lord early in my life. And while I was in school at Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, decided that the Lord was leading me to seminary and gave me the the challenge and opportunity to do that. And so I found that a, a, a blessing and chose and felt the calling to go into serving churches, which I did for about 12 years. And while I was a pastor in Missoula, Montana, a good friend of mine, a retired naval captain or 06 chaplain, talked with me about going into the military chaplaincy. Now, he was trying to get me to go Navy, but I, I have this aversion to be out, out in the wide open sea on just a little platform, and so I'm thankful to have chosen and been given the opportunity to be a chaplain in the Air Force. So I tried in the reserves in 1985 and loved serving airmen, loved the excitement of being in the Air Force, and was given the opportunity for the third time in 1994 to go active duty. And my wife and I, Carol, looked at each other and said, well, we believe the Lord is calling us to do this, and we're not signing our life forever. We're just giving them three years, and now it's almost 25 years later, and here we are. Yeah, I was just doing the math in my head, 94 and 3. That's not quite yeah, where that's we are right. now, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, so y'all are having uh, great fun together. That's obvious. How did, how did you meet and, and really get connected the way you are? Because you've, you've been a long-term marriage. You're smiling at each other. You know, it's the good, the good signs that it's a good thing being together. Well, my short story is that I was doing some pastoral visitation at the all-girls school oh. and ran across <laughs> my like beautiful difficult duty. Yes, yeah. it was <laughs> difficult duty. But uh, Carol might have a different version of that. My roommate volunteered at the church where Bruce was oh. serving at the time as an intern from Princeton, and I was in college at the time. And she introduced us. So to this day, she takes credit for our marriage, <laughs> our children. Everything good that happens is is um, something she takes credit for. So Great. she's been a good part of our life. <laughs> that's fun. Well, it's good good to have a friend like that who's, yes, that's who's right. been with she's, you long term as well. Friend. Yeah, excellent. Well, um, there's a, an aspect of, of training, a seminary training that that's aimed at general church work or general understanding, and then you've also done training, had training, offered training, been part of military training. How do how do those two connect? I mean, how do you bring the resources from a seminary and church background into the military? And what does the military give you that's different, maybe, than you you didn't pick up in a formal training program outside of the military? Well, that's a great question, Larry, that the training that the Air Force expects for all of us as chaplains to receive is how to function as a religious professional. Mm -hmm. So in a Christian tradition, it would be appropriate for us to be trained in seminary to know how to, to preach, to lead a congregation, to counsel, to marry people, bury people, to do all the wide range of responsibilities and ministries that an ordained clergy person would have. Mm-hmm. What it doesn't train you, that is what seminary doesn't train you, and what the military specifically trains you is some of the basics of military, like how to march and how to salute, all the customs and courtesies. 
that we are expected and, and want to perform as military officers, but more so to understand the culture of the, of the military, to understand the organization, the structure, how it all works, what are the demands on us, what are the opportunities, so that we can function effectively in the military, caring for the people who have given a portion of their life or even all of their life to serve our country in the Air Force mm-hmm. or whatever branch. Sure. So, so it's a connection, really. You, you need both. To, to fully function well in the military. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I have been what we call a wing chaplain over several different locations and several bases. One where I served as a wing chaplain was in Korea at Osan Air Base. I did that for a couple of years. And I always used to, to tell my chaplains that I expect you to come to this position fully able to be a performing, a highly efficient minister, whatever tradition you come from. Mm-hmm. You're a religious profession, and you have been uh, ordained or licensed in that tradition, and you come to the military to do that function. And if you don't, then we don't have time to train you. Sure, Life yeah. is busy. Life is stressful in the military. We don't have time to train you on how to Mary and Barry and do all the preaching and teaching and organizing a service and all that. You, you need to come fully equipped. Actually, I'll tell you one short story. I was in charge of about 250 chaplain candidates several assignments ago, and my pitch to them at the last of our time together was, we don't need you in the Air Force until you're ready. So don't come in too early. Go get some ministry experience. Go do what you need to do to get trained. Mm-hmm. Then we will welcome you with wide open arms. But it's not a place for a, a rookie who doesn't know the basics of of ministry. If somebody's listening and they're and they're in ministry and they've and they're considering being a, a military chaplain, what would what would lead one to be called that way um, and 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 leave you know more um, not a more civilian type of uh, ministry. Well, I'll give you a short answer, and then maybe my colleague, Master Sergeant Alderman, has an insight on that, and, and maybe my wife, Carol, has an insight on that as well. But if a person is interested in serving in the Air Force or in the military, usually that person, first of all, has a, a sense of, of loyalty and dedication to our country and, and wants to serve the men and women who have given their time and their life to do the same, to step forward, to be one of the 1% of our nation that serves our country in uniform. And so I would start with pride for nation and for being patriotic. But, but also, there is a great excitement in serving in the military. There is a great opportunity to be in many different locations, serving in a wide variety of responsibilities. The opportunities are amazing. When I'm talking with civilian ministers, I often say the military gives me the opportunity to talk with the mayor, the street department, the sewer department, and uh, the school department, and every other aspect of a community. I have access. We have access as a religious support team to everybody in the community, and you don't usually have that as a civilian pastor. 
besides that, it's fun to travel. You see lots of places in the world. I've, I've been to many countries and have had amazing opportunities for education and training that the civilian world would not have afforded me. Mm-hmm. Plus, it forces me to keep in physical shape, so that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a what? good thing. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny there. The um, Sorry about my voice today. The What's uh, unique about my job is, I guess the civilian equivalent would be, I am the church administrator, okay. a parish administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many parish administrators out there travel the world? How, then they get to know their pastor. And uh, sadly enough, especially in my situation, because I... I love Chapman Glover dearly is unfortunately having to change ministers every two, three, four years um, but like Chapman Glover said we get to travel a lot see different things, uh, meet new people um, you, you ask one kind of unique aspect of military life versus civilian. In civilian life somebody who's like a young a young youth going up and talking to the youth pastor or the senior pastor may not have an issue with that. But we have young 18-year-old men and women who are just learn the idea of rank and, and live with that. And then they see a person like Chaplain Glover, who is a great minister, but they don't know him because they, they see the, the, his, his rank, his colonel, the, the eagles up there, and they're, af- they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And so as, as a chaplain assistant, my role is to come and talk with them. Hey, he really is a wonderful minister. So um, your question was more what's unique and fun actually about or, or coming into the military like that. I think Chapman Glover's hit it on the head. Um, you're, you may see a lot of enlisted people come enlisting in the military. They may not be able to answer that question right away. They, they have patriotic. Some of them, honestly, like in my situation, I was getting bored with college. I had nothing better to do with my life, so I just went over to the recruiter and said, hey, I want to join the Air Force. And they said, oh, really? Sure, fill out these forms. And uh, so it can be that simple for some mm-hmm. people. Some people mm-hmm. have, it's a family tradition. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, it, even if it doesn't, a person doesn't start with it, it turns into that patriotic love for this country and the freedom. Um, and you really, truly get a sense of that after you've been in for a couple years or you deploy and you, you see what we are doing and how we are trying to defend this country the best that we can. Yeah. It's really a way of life, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely. Is. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let me go back a little bit to the family. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about it. So y'all got together through this friend and, and got married, and now you have a family. You've been together for many years. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your family and how being in the military has impacted the family itself. Well, they've had to learn to be very flexible and attend a number of different schools, but mm-hmm. it has been an exciting adventure. And we've asked them as they became young adults, we said, you know, how do you, how do you look back and, and see this experience? Would you do it over again? Do you have regrets? And they, um, both of our daughters have said, we loved it. Mm-hmm. We loved the opportunity to see people and do things and, and travel the world and, um, the sense of community is really strong in the military. We're very uh, proud and excited about our military community and proud of those who serve. And that does include the families. I mean, we make our sacrifices and we serve in a different way. But mm-hmm. we, we are very um, supportive of them and what sure. they do as well. Larry, I think that we experience that best when we're deployed. 
okay. that we rally around the families of deployed people, and we celebrate people when they come back, mm-hmm. and we strive to support families during that very difficult time of, yeah. of separation, especially in times of, of conflict like we've come through the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been very difficult moments but the military family becomes much stronger as we support one another. There's nothing like standing on the ramp celebrating a flight of an aircraft coming back and, and watching the crews and passengers disembark the aircraft and run into the arms of their waiting families. There's nothing like that. Yeah, I can, I can just imagine how that, how that feels for all concerned. Absolutely. You as a, a chaplain and support person and, mm-hmm. and for that family itself, you know. Yeah. I've been involved as well leading Bible studies for mm-hmm. deployed spouses, for mm-hmm. women's groups through the chapel. And that has just been a terrific experience for me. I, I started it somewhat selfishly because I needed it, but we gathered together. We surrounded ourselves with others who were in the same situation, whose loved ones were away. In our case, it was our husbands. Mm-hmm. And um, we supported each other. We helped each other through moves, through babies, through whatever mm-hmm. was going on in our lives. And, and it wasn't always easy, but the Air Force really has become our family. Sure. And usually our family isn't close. So, so we need, those things need to happen. And we have, we have told our kids, mm-hmm. and I would say this for military families, that home is not a location. Home is people. Mm-hmm. And it, that, and we have truly lived that. I mean, whether it's the your home in the church community, or your military family, that becomes your home. It's it's not it's not a particular location because our location is changing quite rapidly. So. Oh sure, I can understand. Well, you, I came across a term that you are lead spouse for twenty five Air Force. What does that mean? I'm a, a key spouse. Key spouse. Okay. So what I do is, um, and I, I lead the key spouses. So, okay. um, so what I do is, um, we go through specific. It's all a volunteer type of position, but we go through specific training and we learn about the Air Force life. A lot of that is our own experience, of course, but we learn very mm-hmm. um, specifically what types of resources are available and how to help people. So um, we reach out to spouses in the Air Force and help them however we can and, and we try to contact all of them as if, if possible and just see how they're doing and make sure whether their de- loved ones deployed or whether they're just new to the area or just you know they've been there a while and we just want to connect with them and we want sure. our families to be strong we want this to be this experience here in San Antonio to be their best experience so mm-hmm. how can we make that help that happen for them. One, sure. one specific way in which Master Sergeant Alderman and I are partnering with the key spouses, and I guess it does help having us married to one another. <laughs> There's a strong connection there anyway. So we are welcoming specifically the member home to their families in a concrete way. We've purchased a banner that says, uh, Welcome Back from the 25th Air Force, we missed you. It's very patriotic with yellow ribbon and flags. And then we we place somewhere on their trees or porch big yellow ribbons and lots of American flags all over the place. So we do that before they get back. And then we come back several days later and just pick it up. So That's it's great. easy to do, and it, it adds to the excitement of people returning. 
Sure. Any anything to make someone feel welcome. Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. is got to be a good feeling because I'm. Well, we yeah. we think back of how we shamefully did not welcome the yeah. vets home from Vietnam. That's where I was going. Yeah. 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 And and we thankfully do it much much better today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So so we'll come, we'll talk more about the deployment issues in the in the second half of the program. But I but I want to talk about a term. There's a term, religious support team, that mm-hmm. that came up as I as I was learning about it. I talked to to Steve a little bit about it on the uh, on on the way in. So tell me what what is a religious support team and how does how does that function day to day with you guys? Sorry, well, I'm gonna go ahead. Yeah, well, a religious support team is really. <clears throat> It's really the chaplain and I just partnering together. I mean, we are a team. Everything happens best with somebody else supporting you. Um, chaplain Glover has the ideas. He's got the lead, the vision. Um, and really, my role is to support him and the mission and get it done. Mm-hmm. Really, um, we collaborate really well together. I mean, when you had a, a church, you've got, let's say, for instance, the senior pastor and the head administrator. That right there is your religious support team at your local church. You think of it that way. Okay. The, um, but if that relationship is strong, just like you have a strong deacon's board or a strong elder board, you that those are your teammates. That's the church's team of support. It, it, things will. It, there's no stopping it. Mm-hmm. And so the relationship that we have is a great partnership. I mean, we obviously respect his position and authority. And but John Glover says, "Well, Sarnami, what do you think about this?" Because I have a unique perspective of uh, being enlisted, and uh, he, I can I might be able to hear different things. Um, sure, so it's it's just a great um, team that that works well in a military structure, and everyone just understands that they can come to me as if they're speaking to the chaplain. And if there's an enlisted matter, they know they can talk to the, ask the chaplain, but he can come to me and I'll get the answer. One very important aspect of our religious support team is that I, as a, as a chaplain, and Sergeant Alderman and other chaplain assistants, as a support for a clergy person, afford people the right of absolute 100% privileged communication, meaning that anything that a person says to us in confidential counseling or if, if they are clear that this is something I, I want to be confidential with you, we, we cannot say it to anyone else. Okay. And that's within the military? That would be yes. outside law uh, enforcement or it's, anything? It's, that is, it's that's based, confidential. It's based on the, the rules for, for courts martial mm-hmm. that, that the individual has the right of strict confidentiality with us. And there are others in the military who have confidentiality or afford a person confidentiality, but there are limitations on it. Mm-hmm. Chaplains and chaplain assistants are the only ones that afford people 100% all the time sure. confidential conversation. So mm-hmm. that really is a gift that we provide for our military personnel. Yeah, that, that that's huge. I mean, that would that would be comparable to uh, clergy absolutely uh, interaction on the uh, non-military front as well. So, oh yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and the rules for for courts martial say that uh, it's for clergy and clergy assistants. It doesn't say chaplain and chaplain assistants. Okay. It's clergy and clergy assistants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, 
Carol, in terms of the the, the team, I mean, you're you're this is a two person team, but you're really very much involved in the same in the same work, aren't you? Oh yeah, with a different way. I, I love supporting spouses. I like to encourage and help, and and of course I receive that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, definitely we do have done marriage conferences together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love getting together with spouses through what, like I said, through Bible study or whatever types of activities we have. You know, if someone's having a difficult time, we, well, let me give you an example. When we first talked about getting, uh, becoming active duty in the military, I did not know. We went to a conference. I did not know the ladies at this conference. I had not met most of them. I, I may have known one or two, and there were probably 30 ladies there. And they heard that Bruce was considering, Bruce and I were considering active duty. So they gathered around. We had a separate meeting, and they actually put me in the middle of a circle of, or, you know, a semicircle group. Mm-hmm. And they said, ask us anything you want. We'll, we are ready to help you. We'll answer any questions, anything we can do to help you make this decision. And so that's the kind, I mean, these were complete strangers to me, except for one or two people. And I just really, that's the kind of support that we offer and we hope to give as well. Certainly. So. Well, as we're coming to the close of uh, this segment of our program, uh, this is Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture. I'm Larry Lennon-Schmidt, your host, and we're very privileged today to have guests representing the, the clergy corps of the U.S. Air Force and the military in general. And so let's just take a moment and, and pray for the military and for those who, who serve as chaplains, chaplains assistant, and in other special ways. So, uh, Father, we lift up our, our military personnel to you. Uh, we particularly think about chaplains today and, their, and the families of, of all military. Uh, we think about the, the, the difficulty in training, the long deployments, the separations that families endure. Uh, we pray for, for your blessing and your wisdom and your counsel uh, to be upon chaplains, chaplains' assistants, uh, their families, all those who are reaching out and caring in special ways for our military. We do pray you bless them and keep them. Uh, give them grace. Give them wisdom. Give them the capacity to serve you uh, in the ways that honor you and care for the people who are, are their sheep as they are shepherds. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So thank you again for being with us for Hill Country Institute Live. We also want to express appreciation to our partner, the Prayer Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. If you're enjoying this program, you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit hillcountryinstitute.org. That's all one word, hillcountryinstitute.org. We have a variety of resources there for your use on faith and culture, prayer for a variety of needs and people. And if you'd like to continue this program and have other resources available, we invite you to consider supporting Hill Country Institute. And you can do that at our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, or call 512-680-7993. That's hillcountryinstitute.org and 512-680-7993. Thank you, and we'll be back shortly.